Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Oh, yes, indeed. God is so good, and he has good things for us today. So let's just jump in to the question for the day. Here's the question. We'll put it on the screen. How can I trust God? How can I trust God? Let me tell you a story. In the 1700s, one of the most influential men that God used was John Wesley. In fact, literally, God ignited a revival through and under his leadership that has impacted millions by today, tens of millions to hundreds of millions. And if God has even touched your life spiritually, transformed you in any way here through 12 Stone, you are in the wake of that revival. Now, when John Wesley was a pastor at the age of 33, he was traveling from England to the colonies, literally the colony of Georgia at the time. Savannah, Georgia. And on the trip over, their ship hit a mighty storm. And it seemed to all that death was imminent. And, and John was terrified. He writes about it. But there was, there was a group of Christians on the ship who were not terrified. They had amazing peace. Listen, they had a peace that Pastor John Wesley did not have. They served the same Jesus. Listen, they served the same Jesus. They just didn't have the same peace because John didn't have the same trust. Hmm. God's telling us you can trust him. And John learned some things about scriptures like Proverbs chapter three. Look at this with me. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And all your ways submit. In all your ways, what? Submit. Couldn't hear you. In all your ways, what? Submit. This is your actionable thing. You're not going to understand everything God does. You're not going to understand all the storms God does. So in all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. I'm convinced that today the Holy Spirit wants to challenge, encourage, and reset our trust. How are we going to do that? Well, kind of an interesting twist. We're going to go back to the beginning of COVID. Since we're on the back end, it seemed the Holy Spirit wanted to stir something in us and asked us, how you've been doing with trust? See, at the beginning of COVID, when we ceased gathering together, we went immediately online. Those first two weeks, March 15th of 2020, March 22nd of 2020, I taught two mantras. And, and we just sensed it would please God bring those two mantras back to us. So literally, I've never done this before, but I took two teachings. I, I brought them together. We're going to literally pray, uh, play two sections of teachings together from back then. We're going to look at the two mantras. I want you to hear them again in the context in which they were taught. You got to hear them. And I can't just repeat it. You got to go back and hear it. And then we're going to talk about hey, what did you fear that actually turned out better? I mean, you were worshiping like in the living room. I was teaching from a stage, but you were worshiping in this environment. What did you fear then? Because we talked about trust and faith and fear. What turned out better than you feared? 
what turned out worse than you feared. So after this 20-some minutes of teaching from looking back, I'm going to step back up here, and we're going to talk about how do you practice trust. So listen on the teaching. And I want to give you two mantras, two mantras that have to get in our soul, get in our heart, be at the front of our minds, help us walk through this season and beyond. I'm going to give one mantra today, the other mantra next week. It's going to take both weekends to put this together, but you're going to get the first one today. And a a mantra, a mantra is a thing that that, uh, you repeat frequently. It, it's, it, it's a statement that, that you say to yourself and each other again and again and again because it's a, it's, it's a declaration of how you want to live. So here's the first mantra. I'm, I'm going to put it on the screen. Things may be falling apart for us, but they are falling in place for God. Things may be falling apart for us, but they are falling in place for God. At your homes, wherever you are, repeat this with me loud so everybody in the room can hear you. If you're on your own like me, you just say it loud. You ready? We're going to do it a couple times. Here we go together with me. Things may be falling apart for us, but they are falling in place for God. Again, things may be falling apart for us, but they are falling in place for God. Listen, this has to get written down. Get your phone out, type it in. To get a note paper and write it down. Kids, memorize this. Students, memorize this. Uh, adults, memorize this. Write it down and put it on the fridge. Every time you go to the fridge, you get that mantra before you. Put it at the door when you walk out so that you see it. Put it, put it, on, the, put it on the mirror in your bathroom. And so when you wake up in the morning, you remember, oh, yes, things may be falling apart for me. Things may be falling apart for us. Ah, oh, but they're falling in place for God. They're not falling apart for God. Say this to yourself and to each other. It's a mantra that needs to form us in the days ahead. Things may be falling apart for us. We, this past Friday, had 20 12 stone men fly back from Kenya missions trip. Marsha and I flew back on Friday from Israel, our trip. We were uh, part of this whole equipped missions organization with John Maxwell. You know that we host that at the, the Sugarloaf uh, campus there at the Leadership Center. I'm on the board uh, with John and a crew of people. And, and it really is an expansion of this uh, transform souls, families, and communities. And, and this whole work with Equip is transforming countries. This was part of a, a group trip. I got to do some teaching uh, with John, a couple other pastors there. And it was just, it was a good experience. But while, but while we're on this trip, thankful to God that, that it wasn't one of the locations where you got to worry about quarantine and where there's, there's high danger. Same thing with the Kenya group. So that when we got back together, we ended up accidentally at the same airport. We're like, oh, thank God, uh, did good work, but glad to be home. But, but while we're in Israel, this whole time that things are cascading at a, a, a speed that's surprising, I'm I'm going to be honest with you. I, I start feeling the same fears everybody else. You're like, well, of course you did. But I'm long distance. And I'm, I'm, I'm keeping up with the news every day. Everybody on the bus is having the conversation. And the coronavirus, the, 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 the COVID-19 keeps being the conversation. The more we talk about it, the deeper my fear goes. I'm like, I, 
what's, what's going on? How bad is this getting? Keep calling my, my son, Jaden, the 16-year-old who, who, who we left here. And, you know, he's got a sister assisting and all this. And son, you know, how are you doing? What are you doing? Well, well, I'm, I, I, I went to Chick-fil-A. I mean, that's pretty much, uh, that's all the conversation. He's not having a coronavirus conversation with me. Not, not that he isn't smart, not that he doesn't care, but it doesn't hit him with the weight because he doesn't carry the weight. Now, I get it. I'm like, every day, I'm like, well, where'd you eat? I, I went to Chick-fil-A. I'm like, son, how many times can you eat at Chick-fil-A? He said, only six days a week. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's true. That's true. All right. But I'm telling you, the NBA postpones, cancels the season. And, and what's going on nationally and internationally, the information keeps coming. You can feel the fear rising. And I feel the fear rising. And then we try and talk each other out of it and walk among places in Jerusalem where Jesus walked. And, and I go, whoo, I get freed up. I can, I can breathe. And then, and then it's not long and I get my head again I'm like I need to get home and then there's problems with the plane flight well will we able to be getting to get home and got to change the flight and try and get home earlier and and I I was like a yo-yo I was like a fear faith fear faith fear faith anyone I mean you you got to put your hands up at home don't 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 sit in there like you're not participating if you've experienced the yo-yo of of, I get afraid and then I think I'm gonna be okay and then I'm afraid I'm be anyone anyone of course of course part, part of the experience that's why when when I asked hey what are your fears? You, you wrote them down. Let me, let me read some of them. Just right off from the live chat during prayer. I'm afraid my kids will get the virus. It's a real fear. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job. It's a real fear. I'm afraid of the uncertainty. It is. I'm afraid of shortages of food or needed supplies. I'm afraid my business will drop off and add more financial strain. I'm afraid that the hospitals will become overwhelmed and the medical system won't be able to handle it. I'm afraid my aging parents will be infected with their fragile immune system. I'm afraid with all this economic uncertainty. Those are real fears. We have real fears. This COVID-19 came from Wuhan, China, from an animal source. And there's no human being that has an immune system to fight it off. And we don't have a vaccine. And yes, it's cold-like, but it's not just a cold. And it moves to flu-like, but it's not just a flu. And it can go into pneumonia. Well, these are real fears. These are facts. Well, since we don't have a vaccine, we're not sure how this this thing is going to be resolved, solved. We don't have an answer yet. Seems truth is 75, 80% of the people who, who get it will have varying degrees of suffering, some none, some pretty heavy. But then there's another group, 15, 20%, where it gets more serious. And the older you are, the more at risk, or maybe the really young more at risk and the immune systems where they're, where they're less, less uh, stout. And that requires the hospitalization and the like. And then there's this two to 3% who, who pass, who die from this. this. These are all real fears. This is why we're in the social distancing that we're in. But, no, but 
did you, did anybody really see it at this speed? I, mean, I didn't think when I'm doing this casual missions effort and going out and doing some things in Israel that over the, the 10, 12 days, it, it, it just cascades like this. And I'm over there like, is this, is this crazy? I mean, are we overreacting? But, but at the same time, we're trying to slow it down. It's transmission of a disease. I get that, which leaves us right here. You're, we're moving church to online. Yeah, the economic fallout of this, very real business. Real fears. Wall Street. Whew, that's a scary tumble. Some good recovery Friday. Delta Airlines, you know, canceling 40% of their travel. The impact on them economically. My son works there. I have friends there. I pay attention to this. And, and we got our own real fears. But listen, listen. Yes, we have real fears. But what about real faith? What about real faith? I mean, literally, the timing of it all. This, this Israel trip was planned a year ago and all the details and investments in this. And, 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 but while this is cascading, Marsh and I are in Israel. We are walking the places Jesus walked, the birthplace of Christianity, the culmination of all that God was doing for the thousands of years leading to the sending of his son. We are walking where God and human flesh walked. And while all those fears are just, are just kind of sitting deep in my soul, the spirit of God is also speaking. What about your faith, son? What about your faith? Yes, we all have real fears, but we have real faith. The, the living God is among us. So yes, we have the experience of things falling apart for us. They were falling apart for the disciples. I, I, I walked in the places of, of the Garden of Gethsemane. And, 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 and then we walked where, we, where, where they believed that, that Jesus went before Caiaphas uh, under trial. In the place uh, uh, where they believed that, 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 that Peter denied Jesus. I mean, things were falling apart. I mean, we're going to follow God. And therefore, as we follow God, we always make a plan for God. Don't you? I mean, I know God is great. I know he's awesome. But I've made plans and I've shared them with him as to how things should look in the future. Don't tell me you don't do that. Like God, by the way, this is how it should look. I've made some plans. Um, if they don't align with yours, check mine out. You might, you might want to make mine the A plan. Roll with it. You know, well, they had the A plan. Jesus had a different plan. Things were falling apart. Now, now they're, they're bailing on Jesus and Peter denies Jesus three times and the disciples disperse. They, what is going on? Things are falling apart. Look at John uh, chapter 16. Jesus, in the pre-conversation before this ever happened, he said to them, listen, you're about to make a run for it, saving your own skins and abandoning me. The one that they say they would never abandon. I won't abandon you. I won't abandon my faith. I won't run from what I deeply believe. I know you're the Christ, the son of the living God. We won't abandon you. And Jesus says, listen, you will. When things start falling apart, you tend to fall apart. Fear takes over. Things unravel. Guys, you're, you're going to fall apart. It, that isn't all he said. Let, let, let's go on. He, he also said this, the father's with me. See, when it looked like everything was falling apart, Jesus knew it was falling in place. Oh, this, this, is not, this is not just a mantra. This is who God is. And therefore what he does. The father's with me. I've told you all this so that trusting me, oh my trusting 
you're going to put your trust somewhere. Today is a day to get this mantra of truth in your soul. Trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured. You know what this world needs right now? People who know real fear, but above that, know real faith. And the real faith overwhelms real fear. It just sets everything in perspective. And, and because you trust him, you have unshakable and assured faith. Deeply at peace. How could you be deeply at peace? Things are falling apart. Yes, but they're not falling apart for God. They're falling in place. This was God's plan. They were falling in place when Jesus was betrayed and put on trial. They were falling in place when Jesus was beaten and the crown of thorns put on his head. And we went to those places. We walked them. When the, when the cross was placed on his shoulder and he walked the Via del Rosa, and we walked those paths that they believe Jesus walked. We, we got to the place of Golgotha where he was crucified and took the weight of sin on him. And the disciples kind of watching from a distance. What's going on? Things are falling apart. No, they were just falling in place for God. He was buried. You know, in Israel, they think there's uh, two likely locations where he was buried. We stood at both. And many times we sit in the season between the uh, burial and the resurrection and the uncertainty as if our uncertainty is God's uncertainty, and it's not. When it's falling apart for you, it's not falling apart for God. It's just falling in place. And so Jesus is saying, in this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties. In other words, trouble. In other words, things falling apart. But take heart. I've conquered the world. Take heart. I've conquered the world. You know, listen, if you're sitting with somebody, that's another high five moment. Kids, high five your brother, sister, your mom or dad. Somebody get up and move around the room and get a little high five going. If you're spiritually unresolved and you're not getting fired up yet, that's okay. You're asking these questions. They're legit questions. But I want you to know who he is. Jesus said, take heart, I've conquered the world. That's a pretty big conquering. See, things are falling in place because, of course, what we know is that he rose from the dead. It looked like the devil was winning. It looked like Jesus was crushed. It looked like the whole kingdom of God had, had come to nothing. But it wasn't falling apart. By the way, it may be falling apart for us right now, but it's not falling apart for God. We can't see it yet. But things are falling in place. That, that's what we need to know. <laughs> so Jesus rose from the dead because God majors in new life. Listen, God majors in new life. He just majors in raising things from dead, turning things from falling apart to falling in place because that is who he is. God is sovereignly working things for good. He can't help himself. It just He's over it all. So Jesus rises from the dead and all of a sudden, everything changes. See, people of faith know when it's falling apart, they don't deny it. They don't say, I have no fear. They, they just surrender that fear to great faith because they know things are falling in place because they know who Jesus is and what he's done. Look at Revelation, what he said to John and all of us. I am the first and the last. That's pretty broad. That's the beginning and the end, right? I am the living one. I was dead. I was dead. I'm not dead. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. I hold the keys of death and Hades. In other words, I brought about a resurrection, the power of God that brings about resurrection to new life. That same power.
power is in you, God in you. In the midst of circumstances where it seems like it's falling apart, the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that's working and going to bring things together for good. That's who our God is. the second one. We're going to talk it and then teach it for the day. Since God is looking out for you, you can look out for others. Since God is looking out for you, you can look out for others. Now, this is what you, you begin to write down. You put it in your phone. You write it down and put it on the fridge with the other mantra because this has got to get in your mind, in your heart, in your soul. It's got to breathe. You got to speak this to each other in your marriage, in your family, in relationship. So say it with me. You're, listen, everybody's got to say it with me. Say it loud and proud. We'll do it a couple times. You ready? Together. Since God is looking out for you, you can look out for others. Maybe look at the other person if someone's with you and say it again. Since God is looking out for you, you can look out for others. So let's talk about it, shall we? Let's unpack this. Since God is looking out for you. When I was growing up, my mom used to say, well, this is for the birds. Anybody have like a, maybe a parent or a grandparent or older generation? Hands up. Just do it anyway. If, if you've heard that phrase before, somebody in your family's used it. Maybe you use it. This is for the birds. And what does that mean? Do you, do you know what that means? I, I always knew what it meant in, in basic idea. When mom would say, this is for the birds, she meant, well, this is useless. Well, this doesn't even matter. Well, this is unimportant. It's useless to us, but it's good for the birds. It's just useless to us. Now, I wondered, where did that come from? So I, I looked it up. Here's what I found. According to Robert Claiborne, uh, he was born in the early 1900s, became a popular writer. But, but according to him, this refers uh, to city streets before cars. L let me read what he wrote. When I was a youngster on the streets of New York, one could both see and smell the emissions of horse-drawn wagons. So delicately put, smell the emissions of horse-drawn wagons. Uh, since there was no way of controlling these emissions, the undigested oats in them served to nourish a large population of English sparrows. So if you say something's for the birds, you're politely saying it's horse poo. Well, there you have it. <laughs> you are now informed. That's what I mean. I, you know, I don't, I don't know that my mom ever knew that. Uh, if she did, she never told me. So where am I going with this? <laughs> Last weekend, I told you that Marsha and I, three weeks ago, were, were in Israel. And while we were in Israel, I had a chance just to, to teach the 50 in, in our group at the place where Jesus delivered the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Just this profound teaching of the transition from, from this law and, and trying to externally be religious to internally uh, living out of relationship with God and the love of God and the life of others. It, it's just profound teaching. It's kind of the centerpiece for Jesus. And what he was doing is delivering, this is how you live life to the full. You want a full life, this is how you live. You want the most blessed life you can have on earth. 
here's how you live it. And he delivered at the beginning of chapter 5 in Matthew what is often called the Beatitudes. Let me give a couple of them to you in the message form, the message version. You're blessed. Here you go. You're blessed. When you're at the end of your rope with less of you, there is more of God and his rule. And we don't believe that. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. Maybe that's part of what's happening in this season. When you get to the end of your rope, maybe that's the place where you're, you learn to embrace the one who's most dear to you. But here's another one. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. Jesus is inviting us into a relationship where we wake up to the size of who God is. Huh. When the Pharisees, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, heard Jesus teach things like this, you know what they said? <laughs> this is for the birds. <laughs> ah, his teaching's useless. Dismiss it. It's for the birds. Now listen, some things are for the birds. Be honest with you. I, I, I thought about this. I, I don't know. You might, you might have your list of things that are for the birds. I have mine. One of them is making your bed in the morning. I'm sorry, but, but that's for the birds. I, I don't understand it. I, I want to be careful here, but, but, but my wonderful wife, Marsha, she, she just, when you wake up, we, we got to make the bed. And I'm like, why? We're, we're going to be back in it in 16 hours. I want it ready and welcoming me. <laughs> why do we need to make the bed? Oh, it's for the company. We have never had company come over and in the first few minutes say, hey, this is awesome, but um, can I go check your bedroom? I just want to see if your bed's made. In fact, in the present circumstances, company's not even coming over, right? Let's be honest. So, so I don't get the, the, the making the bed thing. And, and, and you know what? I just prefer to have it ready when I go to bed at night. However, however, we make the bed, except in January, about three months ago, when Marsha was down in Disney doing that dopey run, the, the 5K, the 10K, the half marathon, the full marathon, she was gone for eight days. And Jade, our 16-year-old and I, were home alone for eight days. For eight days, we never made our beds. We never even opened the curtains. We just left it dark and awesome. Every time we went to bed, it was welcoming us. It's like the bed was saying, Come on in, enjoy yourself. It was just all ready for us. Now, of course, on the eighth day, when Marcia, when mom was coming home, we opened the curtains, cleaned everything up, and made the beds because I want to stay married. But, but listen, listen, kids, students, you're listening to this. Don't, don't you turn to your mom and say, see, it's for the birds. No, no, no. You're going to make your bed if she says so. <laughs> but between us guys, that's for the birds. Now, stay with me. If you, can, if you can make this turn with me, Jesus was saying, faith is for the birds. You, you got to follow the twist. Faith is for the birds. If you could understand the birds, you would understand that your heavenly father is looking out for you. It's almost as if when he was there on the Sermon on the Mount and he was teaching the crowds, Birds at just the right time flew over 
and he looked up and he taught. Look, look at this scripture from Matthew 6. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds. There you go. Look at the birds of the air. Let me look up. He's, he's right out in the open. He's out on this, this, this hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee. The birds may be just in perfect timing because he's Jesus. And they flew overhead and he said, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? If you understood the birds, you would understand that your father in heaven is looking out for you. <laughs> Listen, Jesus was not saying, don't attend to your work. Don't attend to providing. He's saying this, don't be so consumed with it as if it all depends on you. It's not all on you. Your heavenly father's looking out for you. When we get in moments like pandemic and economic uncertainty, I mean, we're committed to looking out for our family, for ourselves, for our employees, for our business. And worry begins to rise. I mean, we, we can't act. We have to react because, because things are being taken out of our hands. We can't even operate in business like we're used to. This is destabilizing. This is uncertain. What do you do? And in the midst of that, Jesus steps in and says, this isn't all on you. You have a heavenly father. Look up. You see the birds? The birds are a reminder that he cares for them. He looks out for them. How much more valuable are you? He loves you so deeply. See, when I, when I was out there teaching on that hillside, the Sermon on the Mount, and I was trying to put this point in play that God's looking out for you. I said, well, it would be like if birds began to fly over. I'm telling you, say with me, I'm telling you, just as I said that, birds began to fly over. Like literally, it, like, almost, almost like jets flying over the Super Bowl at perfect timing. I, it blew all of our minds. All of us, just everybody, I, I quit teaching. I had to. Everybody started talking like, oh my goodness, get their phones out and, and video it, take pictures. Because God was doing it right in the moment, reminding us. In fact, we, we, got, we got one, somebody sent me a video of it. It's not perfect, but it's just enough to give you a sense of the moment. This is literally what they videoed in the moment I was teaching. Check this out. up to how awesome that moment was that you go out this week you hear the birds you see the birds maybe every time that's the spirit of God here forward wanting to say to you your heavenly father's looking out for you you know after that for the rest of the trip they all called me Birdman. <laughs> oh, it was entertaining see because real faith is for the birds see real faith knows that God's looking out for you far more than the birds and he looks out for the birds.
So 66 weeks later, how are you doing with trust? God sometimes revisits the things he teaches us so that we might discover, did we actually learn it? Have we been living it? I think the Holy Spirit wants to challenge and reset trust. Let's go back to our question for the day. How can I trust God? And the answer was in Proverbs chapter 3. The answer is to submit. In all your ways, submit to him. To submit to what everybody? Submit. That's the trust. Trust recognizes that even though you don't understand, God does. You don't lean on your own to understand. You lean on God's. When John Wesley was on the ship and the storm hit, he asked the Moravians. He could see that the men had no worries. They were at peace. And he said, aren't at least your wives and your kids afraid to die? And they said to him, we're, we're not afraid to die. We trust God. Our lives are his. We live for him. I mean, it was settled so deep that it was that childlike trust appropriate to the size of who God is. And it marked John Wesley. They didn't dismiss that things were falling apart. They just believed in their soul they weren't falling apart for God. That's trust. So how do you practice trust? All right, we'll use this kind of wrap of the teaching to give us three things to practice. Jot these down if it's helpful to you. In fact, we'll put them here on the screen. When things are better than you feared, you submit. Hang on. Since the last 66 weeks or 15 months of COVID, since we started that teaching on March 15th and March 22nd, what has gone better than you feared? See, some things have gone better than you feared. And when they do, praise God for the wins. Praise God for the wins. Submit your wins to God. So what's gone better than you feared? 15 months ago, you're like, oh, I feared this. Maybe it's gone better. Maybe you're actually in a better financial position. Some are. Maybe your marriage did well. Maybe relationships got strengthened. Maybe your faith went deeper. Maybe things slowed down and you got oxygen in life. Maybe there really are some things that have gone better than you expected. And listen, when they do, praise God. When they do, what? Praise. You give God the praise. God gets the credit. God gets the You recognize things were outside your control, and God was gracious. You did your part, but it was beyond you. We've been reading through the Psalms, 150 Psalms, and it is consumed with praise. Why? Because praising God is how you correct false pride and create authentic gratitude. You got wins? Praise God. Submit your wins to God. Here's another one. When things are worse than you feared, submit. Hey, there were things that I feared could happen during COVID. And frankly, we're not going to have that discussion today. But some things are worse than I imagined. When things are worse, pray through your worries. When things are worse, what? Pray through your you not only You not only submit your wins to God, you submit your worries to God. Like the birds of the air. If he can care for the birds, he'll care for you. You got to know this truth in your soul. You got to begin to practice this. What's worse? 
You know, for some, it's been financial setback. For some, uh, your marriage has had a setback. For some, family or relationships have stalled out and been strained. It's complicated. You lost friends. This whole COVID season and everything surrounding it, some lost their job. Some lost loved ones. Some have slipped into depression. And when things are worse than you expected, submit your worries to God. You're honest about worries. See, real trust isn't dishonest. Oh, I have no worries. No, it's honest about worries. It just submits them to God. I wrote this in my own notes. Let's see if this helps you. Trust submits worry and trades it for hope. That's what it does. Did you get that? Just get, just get it in your head and your heart. Trust submits worry and trades it for hope. That's what the Moravians were doing. Trust submits fear and trades it for peace. It's not that you don't have worry. It's just that you submit and you trade it for hope. It's not that you don't have fear. When the fears come up, though, you trade them for peace. In other words, let me ask you a question this way. Are you more like John Wesley during COVID or more like the Moravians? Third. There are things that only God can do. And so trusting God with only what he can do is a part of this practicing trust. But equally, there are things that only you can do. Listen, there are things God entrusts to you that only you can do. Things that need to change. Things that need self-discipline, self-correction, and self-leadership. And God makes asks of you that only you can do. He's not going to do it for you. So here's the third one. In that vein, submit to whatever God says you need to either stop, start, or continue. You either need to stop, start, or continue. Read that with me, everybody. Stop, start, or continue. Ready? Let's read this together. You're online. You're gathering together wherever you are. Let's read it live in any of the campuses. Submit to whatever God says you need to what now? Stop, start, or continue. A very simple thought taught in leadership circles, but applies spiritually. Ask God, what do I need to start or what do I need to stop? Let me do it this way. How many of you... How many of you had the beginning of any bad habits during the COVID season? Any bad habits, hands up, even in this room, live at any of the campuses, you start or had a bad attitude. Put the other hand. Let me see. How many need to look at your like spouse, friend, neighbor, family member and say, uh, yeah, you had a bad attitude. You went sour often. It needs to change. It, maybe the thing the Spirit of God is going to say to you is, is just stop and correct the bad habit, the bad attitude, maybe the eating binging, maybe maybe the social media binging, maybe the Netflix binging, and do something productive. Maybe what you really need to do is shift. You know, Marsha and I, one of the things we did is we started this circuit walking like four and a half miles and probably four or five times a week. In fact, it's weird to throw to yourself, by the way, like throwing to your own teaching and then having to sit and watch it is weird. Uh, and then that guy was pudgy. Like, I'm like, hey, I'm noticing a little problem with you. And, you know, a little bit of work. It's helping. It's working. I mean, you know, this isn't athletic yet, but, you know, it's better than it was. There, there are decisions you got to make along the way. And God might say to you, talk to him. What do I need to stop? What do I need to start? And what do I need to continue? Hey, maybe you need to continue in God's word. We're finishing up the 150 Psalms. Don't stop there. Continue. 
What, do you, what are we going to do next? Let me encourage you to something. Since we've been on a good track, hey, jump in to the book of Acts. Just for the month of July, we're going to teach from the book of Acts. So why don't you just from the book of Acts start reading? July 1st, read Acts chapter 1. July 2nd, read Acts chapter 2. July 3rd, read Acts chapter 3. If you're like, I can't keep up with the reading, I got an answer for you. Get the Bible app. If you don't, if you don't have it, it's your version Bible. I'm, I'm on it right now. So get the app, uh, but then go to read on the app, then go to Acts chapter 1, and then hit verse 1. And then there's this cool little thing that plays. And he reads it to me. It takes like three, four minutes. Many times when I'm on a walk or many times when I'm in the car, I'll just play the Bible. Like literally, you can do that every day. You, you can do that on vacation in the car with the kids or as a couple, as an individual. You got three, four minutes for the word of God to be poured into your life. You can just, oh, we're going to spend the next three, four minutes going to play the word of God. Then we're going to just answer a question. What did we learn about God? answer that or what do we learn about the character of, of, of somebody else or what do we learn about faith and then have a moment of prayer all right let's submit our our wins to God what's going good let's thank God let's praise him and then pray what are our worries boom you're done fantastic what's God going to encourage you to continue hey since God is looking out for us and since God is looking out for our church 12 stone we can look out for each other right and we can look out for others. We can go back to some compassion things. We'll talk about it this July and forward. We're going to go after that, some things in the new school year. Hey, we're even going to look out each other for each other, the old people. I'm, I'm, I hit 60. I'm getting old. I'm going to throw a party for all old people. It's not, my, it's, not, it's not my birthday party. It's everybody's. We're going to celebrate being old. It's awesome. On July 19th, Monday night, you're welcome. PK party. 37748, that we're going to cut off the sign up on July 4th. So that's all you got. Don't, don't ask me after that. So if you're 55 or old and you want to be a part of the party, can hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of people signed up. That's great. I've heard young people sign up. You're not invited. It's for old people. If you're empty nester, you're invited. If you're five and older, you're invited. If you're 50, but you're empty nester, you're fine. Come along. We have a great time together, but it's going to be a party with a purpose. So trust in the Lord. With all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. In all your ways, submit to him. So will you trust the Lord? Let's pray together. And I'm going to turn over to campus pastors to pray over us. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.